First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 691 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy, as always, to be here with you guys. Let me start it out by saying I have been receiving some tremendous feedback from the interview I did with Tommy Laren on her show, Tommy Laren is Fearless. I've been sharing clips and highlights of the episode on my social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. If you missed out on the interview, I'm going to put the link to that one in the description of today's podcast episode so you can check it out. I would encourage you to do so. We had a great conversation uh, about the fatherless crisis in America. I think you guys will really love it. And again, I've been receiving some great feedback from it. All right, and today I've got a phenomenal guest for you guys. Terry Schilling joins me on the podcast. Terry Schilling is the president of the American Principles Project. The American Principles Project is a premier national organization defending the family in politics. Isn't that exactly what we need? I don't think there should be any political decision ever made that doesn't take the family into account first. Back in 2021, Terry founded the American Principles Project initiative aimed at making the family the most powerful special interest group in Washington, D.C. And why should it not be? There shouldn't be anything more important than the family units in this country. And Terry Schilling is the perfect guy to do that. Back in 2010, he helped to manage the successful campaign of his father, Bobby Schilling, who became a congressman. Terry is a graduate of Franciscan University of Steubenville. He's an alumni of the Claremont Institute's Lincoln Fellowship. I had the honor of sitting down with Terry at CPAC, where he was a speaker down there in Washington, D.C. We sat down and had an awesome conversation. I think you guys are really going to like it. My interview with Terry Schilling is coming your way in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And as I said, I did sit down with Terry at CPAC. This was recorded on video. It is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch today's conversation between the president of the American Principles Project and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right. If you're like me, one of the most important things for my kids as they're growing up is to start teaching them the value of a dollar, how to save money, how to invest money, what to do with a dollar. All these conversations need to take place in the home because God knows they are not taking place in the school system, especially at the early ages where they should be. And Shark Tank co-host Damon John has got a brand new children's book that's going to drop tomorrow called Little Damon Learns to Earn. I had the honor of sitting down with Damon John and talking all about his new book and about this crisis of not teaching our kids about how to invest money, how to save money, and the whole conversation. I know you guys are going to love it, so make sure you bring it right back here for episode 692, which will feature my interview with Damon John of Shark Tank fame. All right, and if you are tired of flipping your pillow over to the cool side, you got to get yourself a MyPillow 2.0. You'll never have to do that again. The MyPillow 2.0 is the same as the MyPillow, only it's got this extra added element of this cooling element that keeps the pillow nice and cool all night long. You're going to love it. Get over to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you can buy one, get one free. So buy one for yourself. Give one to your wife. Both of you will be happy. A fair exchange is no crime. Get over to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout. Buy one, get one free on the MyPillow 2.0. Okay, and if you have an opportunity, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Terry Schilling on First Class Fatherhood. (music) 
right. Joining me now, First Class Father Terry Schilling. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks so much for having me, Alec. Pleasure to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? <laughs> I've got six kids. Uh, my oldest is uh, 17, then it's 11, 8, 6, 4, and then the new one will be a year old in April. Wow, wow, incredible. What did you say the breakup was, the denomination? Uh, it's three girls and three boys. So we're, we're, it's tie right now. We're, we're waiting to see if, we can, if the boys can pull it out by the end of this. Okay, you're going to try to break the tie there? <laughs> if you could, Terry, just for uh, listeners who don't know, hit them with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, um, I, I'm all about the family, and I run a group, an amazing group called American Principles Project. And the best way to describe what we do is we're kind of like the NRA, but we don't do guns. We do pro-family politics. And so I got this big family pin. And what it means is we want to make the family the most powerful special interest group in America. Um, no one in D.C. is running campaign ads against the candidates that are hurting our families or taking away parental rights or making it tougher to raise kids. And we, we're changing that. Um, so we run a lot of campaign ads for good pro-family guys and a lot of against the bad guys. Um, but, you know, there's big pharma, there's big oil, big tech. It's time for big family. Right, I couldn't be happier to hear you say that because I, I focus on this show, the fatherless crisis that we have. Now we're here at CPAC. We're going to be dis- there'll be discussion all these issues, policies, all this stuff. But to me, all of it is meaningless if we don't restore the family units in this country. We have so many kids growing up without a father, without a father figure. We are filling up the prison systems in this country with fatherless young men, and it's an epidemic. And until that's addressed, I don't think any of this stuff, we're just building on sand. We're not building on the rock, and the rock is the family. No, that's exactly right. And frankly, the data, the studies, the research and all this, it's so predictable that it's boring. Um, We all know that kids raised in a household with two parents that go to church on Sunday do so much better than the kids that are raised in an unmarried household that don't go to church on Sunday. And it's so important. You know, um, The Atlantic in 1926 ran an article about the dissolution of marriage in the Soviet Union. And they talked about how the Soviets made um, divorce a five-minute process, and it was no fault. And so what would happen is you would have these entire villages be ransacked and run over by criminal orphan hoodlums. And they just wreaked havoc. They were stealing, killing, raping, everything. You break down society when you get fathers out of the way. And I do think that there's been a coordinated push by ideologues, to get to, to, to demasculize men, to get, erase fathers and get them out of the picture because it gives them more power and control over us. There's no doubt. If you want to destroy a nation, you remove God, the Heavenly Father, and then you remove the Father from the family. And that's the end of it. You don't really need to do too much after that. But, you know, it, it seems to be the messaging, and I, I think it's all being done on purpose here. And the messaging, usually from the left or the Democratic side, is that children don't belong to their parents. They belong to the whole community. They belong to the state, in a sense. And to me, to, I can't I, I can't even imagine that there are parents on the left that feel that way. So I don't know if they're matching the, 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 the actual thoughts and feelings of their constituents or whatever, but to me, saying something like that is completely over the top, and that's why I think just talking about family values is important, just to get it out there. But you mentioned a good point about what's going on with that Soviet Union. In here, uh, in America, the family court system is so corrupt, and I, if I get one email more than any from other dads, it's that they're getting bent over by the family court system in this country, and they are fighting, getting humiliated, getting going broke, trying to get a little bit of time with their kids. What do you yeah. think? No, I think you're exactly right. You know, there's this tragic case, very high profile, a guy named Jeff Younger out of Texas. Um, he had a divorce. The wife left him, started transitioning his son, and the courts all sided with the mother. And he doesn't have any custody now because he doesn't support, you know, giving his kid a sex change or puberty blockers and all that. 
The mother moved to California. He couldn't stop. He tried to stop that. Moved to California, now they're transitioning him. It's insane. And that's just one egregious example. There are millions of examples. And the real problem is that when you have a generation of kids that are raised without a father, with a broken family, they then go on to create their own broken families. And I think that's why we're dealing with so many problems today, like giving kids sex changes. I mean, 10 years ago, did you ever think we'd be even thinking about? No, of course not. But you have this systemic uh, breakdown in society, and it all is rooted with the family. Yeah, and what you're talking about here now, obviously, I mean, I'm in New Jersey, and the curriculum has changed where they, they start teaching anal sex in eighth grade. They're bringing in the uh, sexual orientation, gender identity in kindergarten, first, second grade. And you're right, th this is unheard of. But I think when you have either the parents that are divorced or the dad not in the home, or you have both parents working, never around, can't be there with the kids, the school has just open reign on your kid. And it's a battle for your kids' minds right now. But I, I just think that um, I can't believe we've gotten to a point here where this is actually possible. How do you think we turn this around? Uh, what is the solution set here to get this to get this back to good? How do we solve the family crisis here and get families strong in this country again? Well, I think it, it, it's gonna. We have to square with the fact that we're countercultural now, right? It's 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 weird to have a large family, and so I think we need to start with our own kids, right? You you teach them about the importance of, of family. You encourage them to get married young. You teach them what marriage actually is, which is a commitment to another person, right? And, and you know what, also, we have to tear down this idea that there's the one, right? Like, we, we, we've Disneyified marriage and family, and we think, oh, well, there's only one person in this world that, that was meant for me, and, and that makes people leave their spouses and because they, they find another the one, right? And we need to realize that marriage is, there is no the one. Marriage is a choice. Love is a choice, and you have to wake up every day and love your spouse. And and when you love your spouse with your 100% of your heart, it flows to the kids, and they see this. We have to be good examples to our kids. We talk to our kids about America. We talk to our kids about math. We talk to our kids about sports, but we don't really tell them, hey, get married young. It's the most important thing. It's the best decision you'll make. And by the way, have as many kids as God gives you. You know, that, that was one thing that took me a while to really wrap my head around is just letting God plan our family. That's why we have six kids and we might have seven or eight or nine. My wife's going to kill me, by the way. Um, but we're just open to whatever God gives us. So we need to instill those values. The same way we teach our kids to love America and, and what America is, we have to do that to them because we can break the system. We also have to talk to our friends, right? Like when they have a, a parents getting divorced or they had parents get divorced from their kids, we need to talk to them and be like, listen, it doesn't have to be this way. You can break this. It's like alcoholism or drug addiction. Like you don't, it's genetic, right? Sometimes and it's passed on, but it doesn't have to be. And you can break that cycle. My dad was a, a, a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. He broke that cycle in our family and set a good example for all of us. And I want that to be the same thing for this next generation. Get married, put your family above everything, your career, your college education, love your wife, love your kids, have as many kids as God wants. It's gonna start counterculturally, but we also have to start repealing a lot of these laws that are hurting us, right? We have to get rid of any laws that, that take away parental rights, including father's rights. It's really important, um, but we need to just, we need to start, Get, protecting parental rights through our laws, protecting our kids. I, I think if we were really serious about fixing the family and getting fathers back involved, we'd, we'd start to restrict porn, right? I think porn is a really bad thing and it's really broken down the family. But those are just like the top three things that I would I would do. Yeah, yeah, great, great stuff. And I know I had, when I had Governor Ron DeSantis on the show here, it was right after he passed his fatherhood initiative down in Florida, which was helping to give grants to fatherhood organizations. And I think we need so much. I hope many more 
country, uh, many more states will follow suit with that. But it's funny you say that because the way I even started this thing was every time I would tell people I had four kids, they looked at me like I had four heads. You know what I mean? They're like, wow, four kids? How do you do that? Like, yeah. You got six, so you're two up on me. Yeah. For, for my wife and I, going from two to three was the most challenging transition oh, yeah. for us. What was it for you with the six? What would you say? You know, I don't, I don't know if it was so much. It, get, it didn't get easier until our eldest turned seven. And when they turn seven, they be, they start to transfer from a liability to an asset, right? They listen to you. You can coach them. You can teach them how to clean. We had, um, I taught my daughter when she was around seven and eight how to make pancakes in the morning. That eliminated the Saturday morning breakfast chores. You know what I mean? Like, but you can, I, it's not so much about the kids, but I think that's right. Going from two to three is really tough. After that, though, it's all downhill. It's, it's like a cycle. And I'm the oldest of 10, right? So six is a lot, 10's crazy right now. Uh, but there's a natural ecosystem that really uh, forms these kids when you have that many. Because, look, being the oldest of 10, I had to learn how to put up with people that I really don't like and, and I'm annoyed by on a constant basis. You create a more tolerant society and a more understanding society when you have larger families because we know that the world doesn't revolve around us, right? Like, there's no my truth. No, there's the Schilling family and you aren't better than anyone else. Like, there's just having more kids is a really good way to turn this country around. And I, I um, it's funny, by having a big family myself, my friends see that. I had actually a friend who... Um, he and his wife had decided they had one kid. That was it. They hung around. Our, we did a family vacation with them, and they were like, "Hey, I'm." Well, he said, "He said he's from New Jersey." So he said, uh, "He goes, hey, we pulled the goalie," and uh, and they had another baby, and they're they're on their third now. So like, a lot of it's just like personal outreach, and it's just showing people how beautiful big families. The family is such a beautiful institution naturally, right? Like you can be ugly and have a huge head like me, and and have tons of acne. But there's something beautiful about a father holding his daughter's hand and teaching her how to dance and, and going to the playground. Like, something naturally attractive about that. We don't have a lot to do besides just have a family ourselves and have more kids. Well, right on with that. And one of the other important ingredients that the father brings to the table is the discipline portion. So I want to ask you, what kind of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? You know, I, um, I spoil the heck out of my kids. So we do... Like, we do dadder days, right? And um, we get donuts in the morning. There's some type of activity in the evening or afternoon that's fun. I'm taking my son Bobby to go see WWE tonight. Um, I take that stuff away, right? So I, I'm not a – I mean, I got spanked a lot as a kid, and I'm better for it. But I, I really discipline by, like, removing privileges. Um, and that works really well, right? Like, they don't get to play video games. They don't get dadder day if they're getting bad grades or if they're acting out. And – I don't know. That's where I've had success, but I think you gotta, as long as you love your kids, and you, a lot of it can be fixed just by talking to your kids. You know what I mean? Like we don't talk to our kids. We're so busy with work. And I talk to my friends. I'm like, hey, have you had the talk with? You? She, he had a son that was turning 12. I'm like, have you talked to him about any of this like sex stuff or porn? And he's like, no. I'm like, you have to, because these weirdos in school are gonna talk to him, and they don't. You don't want them within 10 feet of your kids. You know. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, I am the disciplinarian, but I do it in a little bit different I'll way. tell you what's interesting about what you said there is I'd say nine out of every ten dads that I bring on the show here, they'll say the same thing that when I grew up I was spanked or I was hit with a switch or a belt or, you know, my father was rough. But I don't do that to my kids. And so we, there's been a shift in our culture. That we're, and I think a lot of times, too, it's people afraid to say that they do do it because yeah, it's yeah. so looked down upon now in our country. But all of these guys, just like you said yourself, you benefited from it yeah. and, and all became successful people. So it's 
like we, we've gotten afraid of, of being able to discipline our kids in many ways. So, the, yeah, I, I, I got spanked seldomly. I was like, but it was for bad things, right? Like, I, I had it coming. There was one time um, we had this uh, change jar, right? And um, it was for family vacations. And then my dad and mom would put their spare change in um, every week and they'd save up so we can go, you know, you have 10 kids, you, it's tough to go on vacation. And I, I took uh, like 30 bucks out of the change jar and I bought CDs with it. And my dad spanked me over it. And I had it coming, right? Like, I learned at a very early age, like, you don't steal. Like, even if you think it's community property, like, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, people should just be, allowed, I mean, yeah, they should just be, just be dads, you yeah. know. And you know, there's obviously a big difference between spanking a child and beating a child, too. Oh, but I can tell you this, like, if I ever broke a window when I was a kid, I'd rather the <laughs> cops pick me up than my father, you know. All right, Terry, last thing I want to hit you with here. Well, actually, first, before I do that, what's coming up next uh, for you, the organization, the whole bit? What kind of plans you have for the future here? Well, everything we do is political. We're focused on campaigns and elections. We have to take back power. And so because of that, we're focused on the 2024 presidential election. And our goal right now, we're not going to endorse anyone at this point. We want to work with all the candidates to get the strongest possible pro-family, pro-parental pro rights platform possible. And so we're going to be working with Donald Trump's campaign, Ron DeSantis' campaign, Nikki Haley, anyone we can, because we have to fix this in our government. And a lot of people think this is a local issue, the school board, and it is. But a lot of our problems are coming from the federal government, and we need to fix that, and specifically the executive branch. So we're primarily focused on um, taking back the presidency and, and fixing things. Unfortunately, the federal government has become like a co-parent in this entire thing. So last thing I want to hit you with, Terry, I love to ask all the dads that get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Don't put off having kids. Uh, you know, we, we uh, have them as soon as you get married. Be open to it. The year of peace and tranquility of your first year of marriage, it's overrated. Um, it's not that fun. Um, it's a lot more fun to make babies. And so just get, get going because guess what? I, we just had our six. I'm 36 years old, and this baby's kicking my butt, right? I'm, t I'm more tired. Uh, I, it's, it's tough to get up in the morning with the baby. It's tough. And when I had our, when we had our first kids, it was so easy. I had all this energy. Get married young, have babies young. Don't be afraid of it. It's the best decision you're ever going to make, um, and uh, you won't regret it. You'll regret have, waiting until you're 45 because you've gone 45 years of your life without having all that extra work. But it's so rewarding. Just don't be afraid. Of it. Just jump off the cliff. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Terry Schilling, your first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here at First Class Father. Thanks so much, Alec. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.